Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. Hey fam, what's happening? Nice to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us today. We got Donnie Boyvin in the house. He's got a top-rated podcast that I can't wait to dive into, and you can hear all about it. He's also doing amazing things in business. I actually had the pleasure of being on his show not too long ago. Really amazing dude. We had an awesome conversation, and I'm super excited to show, share this with you guys. So get ready, and we'll dive right into Donnie Boyvin. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest is the host of the top 200 business podcast called Donnie's Success Champions, which is all about empowering people who have lost their confidence to unleash their greatness. Donnie's Success Champions also specialize in creating social content to help individuals and companies to produce relevant content that drives engagement for their business. We're on the same path and I'm really excited to be able to dive in. I was on his podcast and we went into some real like amazing stuff. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear this. And we're going to dive deep. So Donnie Boyvin, welcome to the show, man. Lance, good to see you, brother, man. I'm stoked. I was really looking forward to this one, man. I tell you, your conversation, uh, we went through so many crazy ass things when you and I talked, man. I was excited to get back on here, relive some of those conversations and, and just have a fun time. I don't know. Let's put on the show for your, for your listeners. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, man. Like I said, I had a lot of fun on your show. It was really good. And I mean, you're, you're in the same, we're on the same mission, you know, we want to inspire people. You know, there's a lot of people have been through a lot of shit, a lot of struggle, a lot of pain. And, you know, to be able to really dig deep and highlight that and to extract that gold and be able to share that with somebody is, is just so powerful. So man, I can't wait to get into that, but let's, let's find out about you. Take us back, fill in the gaps, tell us your story and how the hell you got into podcasting and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I was born in, no, I'm kidding. Right out of high school, I went into the United States Marine Corps, did four years there. And I'd love to tell people all this all the time. I wasn't the guy that was going in to honor my country and defend my country, that kind of thing. I went in because I didn't know what the hell I wanted to be when I grew up, right? So I was heading down kind of a dark path. My parents told me all the time that I'd probably ended up in prison had I not joined the Marine Corps. Um, It really made me grow up quite a bit, but got out of the Marine Corps and then I jumped into sales and, you know, I really spent off and on the next 20 years in the sales game. And you and I kind of have some some of the same stories, although I can't skate or play hockey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had my stunt in, you know, I, I started off when I got into the bartending industry uh, I started off as a bouncer at the door and then became a bartender because we got slammed one night so heavy, so many clients that they needed somebody else, a third person to be behind a bar slinging drinks. And we should talk about it because it was such a fun night. But I literally, as I walked out and people would come up, we were six or seven people deep at the bar and I didn't know how to make anything. So as people were walking by, I was like, what do you want? And they were like, a Shirley Temple or whatever crazy ass drinks. And I'm like, anybody want a beer? I can pour a beer, you know? So did that for a couple of years and then back into the sales game. But I spent an entire career making other people wealthy by going and being the guy out front selling all their stuff. And in 2017, I had this crazy ass idea that I should be a business owner. I should run my own company. And I had, you know, what they call the entrepreneur hiccup. 
and I launched my, you know, success champion company. And in me being mean, as cocky as I am and as confident as I, I am in certain reasons, I really thought, dude, I was going to put this company out there, put my shingle up, and the world was going to say, about damn time, Donnie, and I was going to explode and have this massive company. Well, at six months into running my business, I was looking at my wife going, babe, we're about to lose it all. I was going to lose the farm or, you know, I'd build a secondary house and a property for my mother-in-law all of our cars. My business was failing so miserably because I, I had no idea. I didn't know how to be a business owner. And so I had done what I'd always done in my sales career, which is sell things, but I wasn't in no processes, no procedures, no, I mean, it, it was, it was absolute shit. And I looked at my wife and said, I'm going to have to go back and get a job because this being a business owner thing absolutely doesn't work. So I said, I've got one last speaking engagement. I said, babe, this is it. If I don't make this work, if something doesn't happen after the speaking engagement, then I'll go get a job. And it was a tough conversation. She was really nervous. We we're about to lose it all. So I Bon jovi the speaking engagement. And I said, dude, I'm just going to leave it all on the stage. I'm giving it everything I got. And I remember walking off that stage and I am exhausted. I'm just whooped. I threw everything I had and I almost cried on stage. It was the first time because I was just, every bit of emotion I could put in this speech, I did. And afterwards, this guy in the crowd walked up to me and he said, dude, I love your story. I love your message. I love what you're doing. Would you come tell your story on my podcast? And I said, what the hell's a podcast? And this was April of 2017 and or 2018, excuse me, April of 2018. And I, he told me, explain what a podcast was. I'm like, sure, I'll give that a go. So I jumped on his show. We had a blast. I laughed my ass off. What the end of the show after it aired, one of his listeners reached out to me and became a client. And I went, wait, you can go on podcast and pick up business? Hold my beer and watch this shit. The next 30 days, I was on 67 shows. Man, if I found out you had a podcast, you were getting a phone call from me, I got an email, something, and I was getting on your show. So I did 67 shows in 30 days, somewhere around episode 50. I went on this show that was the most horrible show I've ever been on in my life. And I was so excited because I knew the guy and I thought it was going to be okay. But before the show aired, he sent me a list of 20 questions. And I thought, okay, that's cool. Now I at least know what we're going to talk about. We get on the show and this is how it literally goes. He goes, Donnie, question one. And I answered question number one. <laughs> oh my God. He goes, question two and i answered question two he goes question three and i went oh shit and so me being me and i've never said the guy's name and I, i'm always conscious and i don't want to destroy him because i think his show might still be out there but i feel like i'm like dude tell me your story what are you into what do you, you know what do you do and he goes question four i'm like oh and we went through 20 questions that way and he just ended nothing i mean nothing on the front end nothing and just ended and i thought Man, if this dude can have any success whatsoever, I'm launching a podcast. So I launched and here we are, dude, enjoying the ride and, and having a lot of fun. But I stumbled into podcasting and it just somehow worked along the way. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing, podcasting. You know, so many people <laughs> have the different stories because, you know, I started listening to it back in the day with Joe Rogan. Yeah. And, and there was something I just... I loved it because you could play this thing while you're doing other stuff. 
you didn't have to really pay attention to like a video or anything, but you could just listen to it. And it was like the radio. I like that. And I, sometimes it's depending on the mood I'm in, you know, you put on different stuff and if you're, you know, and that's the thing and that's to be able to have that freedom to be able to, you know, if you're cooking dinner, there's, you know, you can have a longer one or shorter one. So there's all these different ways. And yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I loved it. But my story is different though. I, I love podcasts and I was like, man, I got to get on one of these things. I need to <laughs> learn this because I love the radio, man. I love, I love that whole thing. And the fact that it's kind of turned into the new radio, it's like, man, why, why not? You know, why not have like a, a, an area where you can go on and interview people? It's kind of like, 100%. right. You know, the, the crazy thing is podcasts replaced the audiobook for me. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I was huge into listening to audiobooks because I wasn't much of a reader, but a lot of my careers, I had a massive commute, sometimes 45 minutes or an hour to get someplace. And for me, it was, we'll crank on an audiobook. And I was always doing some sort of self help or yeah. mental game or sales book or something. And except for one year, there was one year where I listened to a 14 book series called The Wheel of Time. The shortest book was 800 pages, and but it took me a solid year on audiobooks to get through it. But other than that one year, dude, I was consuming a ton of books. But what I realized is in a lot of books, it's the same shit spewed and, and just spun different oh, ways know. over and over. Yeah. And with podcasts, I could pick what I wanted to consume. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's just interesting people that you wouldn't normally get to hear. It's like you're a fly on the wall. And that's, that's what I find interesting. The scripted stuff, I don't like, man. I, I like yeah. to really, you know, get the stuff that people don't really talk about or don't know about. But sometimes it's tough. Obviously, you know, the more podcasts you are, you're on, the more you've been asked the same thing. So it's, it's, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta try and find like the fun in it, right? And as podcasts grow, people become, go on more shows. So you gotta get creative. But I think at the end of the day, just having a conversation, two human beings talking, yep. I think that's what people like to listen to, right? So- well, I tell everybody like that comes on my show. I'm like, dude, we're going to go for 20 minutes of the fluff. So once we get past all your bullshit and your backstory, <laughs> then we'll have a real conversation. And everybody laughs at me. I'm like, well, you're going to see it. You know, we'll get yeah. through it. And then eventually we're going to find your vibe. We're going to find your group. And that's when it really, the magic happens. Absolutely, uh, man. I want to talk about the Marines. Sure. Deck, man. Uh, so, okay. Obviously you, you're in the Marines and then you get into sales. Like what a difference. What did you... <laughs> Was it lack of discipline that you needed and that helped you? Because so many people go to the army because they, they need that discipline, right? Or, or Marines. Like, tell me about your experience there because it was probably a crazy one, right? Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I got so many stories about my journey in the Marine Corps. But, you know, for me, in truth, I had a chip in my shoulder. You know, through most of high school, I was that kid they invited to parties to see what stupid shit I would do next, and unfortunately, it was a lot of, you know, ended up in fist brawls and everything else just because I was a knucklehead. And when I went to the Marine Corps, I got to be honest, I don't think I fully comprehended what I was getting myself into. I think that I thought it was going to be more like a job, I guess, because I wasn't, I'm never good with authority. I've never been good with people telling me what to do. And here I'd signed up to do four years of somebody always telling me what to do. I mean, literally, where to shit, yeah. shower, shave, the whole nine yards. And that took a lot of adjustment to, to get to. So, you know, I, I did four years 
and tell everybody that I got the hell out and I ran as fast as I could because it wasn't for me. And I don't regret going through the Marine Corps. I don't regret that time at all. And there's a lot of things I think shaped me into who I am now and what I've been able to accomplish. But it damn sure wasn't for me. There's people who are built for that. I mean, my brother did 24 years in the Marine Corps. There's just no way I could have pulled that off. But most people, when they get out of the military, that transition's a bitch because you're in a place where you've got 30 people that you do everything with. I mean, there's nothing that we don't know about each other in our time together because you live, eat, sleep, and everything together. And you go from an environment that's that close-knit, that's that much camaraderie to now you're back home with your friends who are the same since high school. They haven't changed. And you've evolved somewhat, done some different things, maybe grown up a little bit. And now you're supposed to adapt in the civilian world. My transition was a lot easier than a lot because my best friend, him and his dad owned an HVAC company. So I was able to immediately go and get a job where most of my buddies, when they got out, couldn't find work because nobody wants to hire the military guys because they've got no skill sets. Yeah. I was a motor team mechanic. I still can't freaking turn a wrench to save my life. I tell everybody I'm a government trained mechanic, which means I don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) But once you get out, I, I mean, I can remember at one point when I'm working in corporate America, I'm working for a major fortune five and a VP of the company came up to me and he goes, Donnie, I got a, two things you need to follow for your career. And I said, okay, lay it on me. And he goes, first, you've got to get rid of that Southern twang. You can't say y'all, you can't sound like a hillbilly because if you sound like a dumb redneck, you're going to be treated like a dumb redneck. And he wasn't wrong. Wow. The second thing he told me, he's like, dude, you need to quit telling people you're a veteran because it's not going to do anything for you in business. And unfortunately I listened to both of those things and I didn't tell people for years that I was a Marine because but why would why is that I don't understand. Why wouldn't that wouldn't that get you like some sort of extra respect though? I mean, for what you've gone in. Well, you you're you take somebody how old were you when you had your first job? fifteen. Uh, okay, cool. Now I had, you know, fast food jobs and everything else, but now you're twenty two coming out of the Marine Corps and you've really never had a job. Yeah, you work for the government, mm. right? You know, I may have learned to turn wrenches and be a mechanic, but those skill sets, if you don't want to be, you know, the guy who turns wrenches, there's nothing that translates well. And I piss a lot of people off in the military community when I say this stuff, but it's the truth is I've gone through four years and what I'm thinking is a job. And now I want to come out and I have to start at ground zero again. My ego got in the way. And I didn't want to start over. Now take somebody who's been doing that for 20 years. Yeah. But what about the discipline that you would have got? You must have like, I mean, it must have helped you as far as bringing the discipline into like, if you went to into a sales job. I mean, I'm thinking, man, if I had gone for four years into Marines, that discipline that you learn that you may not even really realize has completely I mean, that's just my perspective. No, you're you're spot on with it. I mean, and it did help me well, but that discipline is a statement without the actions. And you can can put it, I'm disciplined on a resume, but it doesn't mean anything. You know, you can put, I'm very regimented on a resume. It doesn't mean anything. 
I can put on there, I'm organized as hell on a resume, but doesn't do anything. You have no experience. Mm. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's equivalent to taking a guy right out of college. That college degree doesn't mean shit. Yeah, true. Right? And it's when people give power to those things that they lose. So what that guy was telling me was not, don't tell people, he wasn't telling me to never tell people I'm a veteran. He was really telling me, don't use it as a crutch to get into business. Oh, gotcha. Right? And it's the same thing with these college kids. I mean, you get these kids coming out of college and they're expecting to walk into a $150,000 a year type job because they got a four-year piece of paper that doesn't mean shit. And they're unhirable because they don't know how to work. They don't know how to do anything. And it's the same thing for the veterans come out, right? We don't know how to work. We know how to follow orders. And in some instances, that's a great employee. But there's a reason guys like me end up in sales. We're not employable for anything else. You try and pick a guy like me and put me in a cubicle and say, go to work eight to five. I'm going to go batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, man. I, I remember trying to do other jobs. Like when I was growing up, not to take anything away with trades. I think they're great jobs. If you like trades, you know, electricians, plumbers, all that stuff. But that's, everybody was talking about, you know, I graduated in 2001 and everybody was talking about the baby boomers retiring and everyone's got to go into trades. And I was always like, what the fuck? I don't want to do that. Right. Like everybody's everybody in high school. It's like, you guys need to get a trade. You need to go. And this is the, and, and that was the way everybody was going. And it never felt right to me because that's not the way I was wired. You know, I, I couldn't just go and work with a couple dudes and just do our thing all day long. It just, it would drive me crazy. I tried it and I just can't imagine. Like, that's the thing when you have that, your personality and you need to be speaking to people, you need to be interacting. You know, it's like, it's almost like torture being in that situation, not to take anything away from that because some people are great and some people hate dealing with people. Right. I mean, it's, but you know, where I'm going with that is that when you go, when you're, when you're kind of forced into that direction and it's not for you, it can be real dangerous. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, when I got out and did HVAC, I mean, I'm doing it in Texas where it's 110 degrees out and we're calling underneath houses and in attics to sweat your ass off. It was miserable. And I was literally getting ready to quit that job, just straight up be an asshole and walk away because of how bad it sucked. When luckily my best friend's dad looked at me and said, dude, don't go anywhere. He goes, what if I can find a way to utilize your grit and tenacity to do something else? And I said, what's that? He goes, well, you're fixing to be a sales guy. I'm like, what the hell is a sales guy? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so to that point with all of that stuff, man, you got to go through it to, to yeah. figure out if you're cut out for it. Totally. I mean, it, it didn't take me long to realize that doing that kind of work sucked ass and I wasn't going to do it for long. <laughs> yeah. And you got to take shit from people for a while to realize you don't want to take shit. Yes. Like I was always, I was always like that too, man. Like I was like, why, why is this asshole telling me what to do? Like, why am I, why am I listening to this guy? I have to, but why am I, you know, why am I buying into that? And I guess, cause you want to work your way up some sort of ladder. So you're willing to take it. But I just got to a point where I'm like, I don't want to take this anymore. I want to just, I, I want to work for myself. And you're probably the same. You had that thing inside of you telling you, I want to be in charge here. I want to be like, well, for me, I wanted to be in charge. I just didn't want a responsibility. It was, it was a lot later in yeah. life. I mean, I was 40 yeah. before I opened really opened my own company, but along that ride, 
I was constantly fighting the system. But it's interesting enough that you said ladder because I thought success as a young guy was the corporate thing. The suit wearing, only thing that I'd seen as success or money in this life was my uncle who was, you know, an executive vice president and, you know, corporate bank of America and helped all the mergers and acquisitions for years. And, you know, he had money and cars and suits and my grandfather owned a huge stock horse farm. And, you know, it was just, that was money. Money meant you looked a certain way, acted a certain way. And that acting a certain way meant you were a freaking asshole because you were direct, blunt, and didn't give a shit about people. It was about go get money. So, that's what I was aiming at is you climb the corporate ladder, you become an asshole and that's life. And man, that's a path I chose for a long damn time until I realized I don't like being the asshole and I don't mind being direct and blunt, but at some point you got to come back and look that person in the eye and that doesn't always make for great relationships in your personal life or your professional life. Yeah. Being a prick for no reason catches up with you. <laughs> It's like the same thing when you have a coach in sports, man. People tune you out after a while. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can have the fear tactics all you want. And people are after, they're like, fuck off. Like, I don't yeah. want to deal with you, you anymore, you know? And then they tune you out. It's like that. It's getting like that in, in the real world too. And again, business and your, your boss has to be willing to help you grow and listen. You can't just be one way or the highway. People will just be like, see ya. Yeah, I mean, that's why I appreciate guys like Richard Branson, man. Richard Branson's just such a nice guy. At least that's the guy he portrays. I'm hoping he's the same way. But then you flip it and you got the Jeff Bezos of the world and the Elon Musks of the world. And you just go to these guys who are just such pricks, you know, if you read their books and their stories. And unfortunately, there's people that are watching and seeing that going, that's what you got to be. If you want to be in the top, you want to be this, this Silicon Valley, whatever, then you need to go be an asshole. And what I think a lot of these guys are starting to see, because even with Jeff Bezos, is you're starting to see him more in the social media and everything else, trying to project a nicer personality and stuff. Because these young bucks coming up through the systems, they're like, fuck you, I'll create my own business. I don't need your high and mighty, you know, asshole self. Just, just watch what I can do. And that's why I love these young gut bucks coming up, man. I love this gig economy and how, you know, people like, screw you. I don't want to work 40 hours a week for making somebody else rich. I'll work 40 hours a week. I'll work three hours this day, 12 this day, six this day, eight this day. And I'll make enough money to live the life I want anywhere I want, knowing I got to put in the work. I love this time we're living in. That's the best. You can just pick your times. You know, some days you're feeling better. I talked to this about this with other someone else too. I can't remember what show it was, but you know how we're so conditioned to work the 40 hour work week, eight, eight, eight. And like to be able to say today, I'm working two hours. I don't feel that great today, but then, you know, you're feeling great another day and you want to work 12. It feels effortless, right? That's the beauty of it. And I think people should have that option because we're not always going to be on it. Some days we're going to drag our ass a little bit. And it's like, well, you might as well just not bother that day. You might as well have a shorter day and then have a longer day another day when you're feeling good. And that's, that's why it's important to have that freedom, you know, because then you're maximizing your time. You're not rubbing people the wrong way. There's so many things that come from working when you don't want to work and being an asshole. And that's the kind of people you're, you're affecting all day long, right? And, yeah. and a lot of it is because people are just unhappy in general. Well, yeah, I mean, every one of us has been to a place where you walk into the joint and you can immediately tell somebody hates their job. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. I went to the post office not too long ago and I was buying stamps and I yeah. remember why I was mailing something off. I don't know who mails things in this day and age, but and I was buying stamps and within two seconds as I walked to the counter, I knew this asshole hated his job. And all I remember, all I asked him, I was like, how do your stamps come? Do I need to buy them a sets of twins, 20? And he goes, how many do you want? I'm like, how do they come? And I'll just buy however they come. He goes, uh, well, how many do you want? They obviously we're not talking here, buddy. Just, how do they come? Yes, man. <laughs> he goes, I can sell you a roll of like 500 for a thousand some odd dollars. I'm like, all right, come on. dude. And he's like, do you want 20? I'm like, fine, give me 20. I don't, I don't, I don't even know at this point, but when people are caught in that mundane world, that mundane eight to five, and they're not doing anything to get themselves out of it. I lose empathy for those people. Yeah. Right. You know, they just want to complain about it, not yeah. do anything about it. Yeah. And they're so miserable that they know if the person they're interacting with becomes miserable as well, they can feel good because now they're not so miserable. They're not as miserable as that person they're talking to. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. And, you know, it's funny because I never wanted to be part of that model of nine to five. That's why I got into the bars. And I, I want to <laughs> dive into this a bit. That, I mean, that was my original let's escape the nine to five so I can go and drink and work all night and, you know, do whatever stupid things. Tell us about your uh, times in the bars, because I know you went through some tough shit as well. And, yeah. but I know we both had something in common when it came to like what we liked about the bars, because we're both kind of sales sort of style people where you sales is just influence, building influence and trust with people. Right. I mean, that's what it is at the end of the day. So, like, maybe tell us a little bit about the bar days and what what happened and how. You mean, yeah, the bar days of what I can remember. Yeah, and you know how how did that shape, you know, the direction? Because I'm sure it had a big impact in in certain aspects. Well, and I'll always say this: bartending was my greatest sales teacher in the world. What people don't understand is, is if you get, I don't know, maybe at the corner bars or maybe your restaurant bars was this way, but I can tell you in the big bars when you're slinging a massive amount of drinks and doing like 4,000 pours in one night, just seven, eight deep, massive bars, you have to be so fast and quick on your feet and deal with people in the worst states they ever been in and just be good with it, man. It's, it is one hell of a proving ground and it washes a lot of people out. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It also comes with a very rough lifestyle because everything you think bartenders do we do. I mean, everything that comes with it from, I mean, my bartending, like I said, you know, started off as a bouncer. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I was in between jobs and, you know, couldn't find a job. All my friends were bartending. So I didn't, didn't have any bartending experience and so nobody would hire me as a bartender. So I had to get into the, the industry somehow. So bouncer was the next thing. And I worked in a very famous little honky tonk called the white elephant saloon here in Fort Worth, Texas. And if anybody's a Chuck Norris fan, he had a TV show called Walker, Texas Ranger. And the bar in their CDs is actually the White Elephant Saloon. That's where I started off as a bouncer. Awesome. Uh, that night happened to be July 4th weekend. And Willie Nelson has a big event he does here for, for the 4th of July. And his concert had finished and I was bouncing. And all of a sudden, the bar filled. I mean, we went beyond fire capacity. I mean, it was just a massive amount of people. And the owner came up to me. He's like, dude, get off the door. There's nothing you can do here. Get behind the bar. And that's literally how I got into bartending. 
and worked my way up. And then I ended up working at a bar called City Streets. And Fort Worth is not known as a nightclub town. And it's not known as a big, huge party scene. But this was the only club that was within a 50-mile radius. I think maybe 25, 30-mile radius. But the downtown Fort Worth, and it was five bars in one, two stories. I mean, this thing was massive. And, dude, we would sling drinks. And, you know, you go into work around 4 or 5 o'clock, set up your bar, do everything else. And then you sat around with everybody and you bullshitted and drank till about 11 because that's nothing kicked off until about 11. And then, dude, it was a straight four hours of just getting slammed, drinking, partying. We'd get celebrities through. We'd get UFC fights through. And it was wild. But then, you know, bar would close at two. You'd be half crocked because you're drinking through most of your shift. Take a couple hours, clean up. And then but for us, that was like getting off at five o'clock for everybody else. So we'd go over to a buddy's house and then you break out all the cards and everything else. And now <laughs> you're playing cards and poker and until the sun comes up and you go to bed and you do rinse, wash, repeat. And it was a rough lifestyle. And there's probably a lot of days I don't remember, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a blast. And it was somewhere around 27 when... I met my now wife that I got to that point where I'm like, okay, I got to grow up again. I got to go back and get a real job. And I went and got a day bartending job at a Bennigan's restaurant um, because I knew it would allow me to keep slinging drinks, yeah. you know, but it would get me around people. And, and I was literally hired right out from behind a bar to go start my probably greatest portion of my sales career. Um, right after that and that gal jane i don't know what she saw in me but she came in one day she goes you looking for a job and i said well yeah and she brought me in to start a digital sales department for her and we grew that to a six million dollar division over a number of years and um wow man it was one of those things that i was given the opportunity to lifetime that was a hundred percent on me because there was nobody to teach me, nobody to coach me. They, you know, she literally said, figure it out. And we did. Yeah. Wow, man. So, I mean, what do you like about sales, though? Is it the people thing? Is it, like, is it the, the commission that it's kind of like a thrill? What brings you to that? And, I mean, you know, and how has sales changed from when you started to now? You know, there used I to love be, that last question. There used to be, like, you know, that's the problem is there's so many, like, used slight slimy car salesman tactics mm. from the old days and yep. now how has it changed well you know for me early in my career i was really caught up in that you know success is that certain persona and so i always start when i started off in sales is really that kind of be that guy that was bigger in life and i was a jackass man um, it was all about the commissions at that stage and you know Although I was one of the top sales reps, I couldn't keep clients for very long. And I didn't understand why early in my career because I was just, let's go get the job. Let's go get the job. Let's go get the job. Because I was selling commercial printing. And the big money in that game is to have massive accounts that you keep for a number of years. And although I had massive accounts, I was losing them as fast as I was getting them. Because I didn't give a shit about customer service. I didn't care about anything. I just wanted to get the deal. I liked the hunt. Somewhere along the way, and I don't remember what the pivotal moment was that triggered me to grow up, 
in that moment, but I got tired of being that guy and really became the relationship guy, really gotten, you know, into building elongated relationships. But from that process of getting into sales, teaching myself sales, all the way up, and you know, I, I finished my sales career as a national award-winning sales trainer, where I trained all across the U.S. and had, and had a lot of fun doing it. But the transition, even from that last being a sales trainer and selling sales training to now, the sales game is a completely different landscape. It is wild. I mean, I grew up cold calls, kicking in doors to get business done, and I can't tell you the last time I've done a cold call. You know, and and the difference being is you went from a marketplace where everything was old school tactics to a marketplace where people don't like interacting with other people as much. So now everything's going to the social game. And my current business, man, 85% of my business comes from online. And it's online interactions, it's social selling, it's social content, and it's it's about building your personal brand and becoming a supposed thought leader or an influencer that is completely changing the landscape where hell five years ago, all you needed was a LinkedIn profile. Now you need a LinkedIn profile, a freaking Facebook profile, Instagram profile, Twitter, you know, you got to have this whole suite of things put out there because if you're not making enough noise, it's very hard to not, to, to do business without throwing a shit ton of money at it. You got guys that are spending atrocious amounts of money on LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, and all that kind of stuff. Crazy. But, yeah. Crazy, yeah. man. And the amount of content that people got to put out is insane. You yeah. Know? That goes to my next thing. So what's your go-to platform? Like, What's your favorite? Because everybody seems to have their favorite. I know that things have changed, algorithms I mean, it, two years ago, Facebook was it, now Instagram. You know, what are your thoughts? Because this is kind of like a modern day adversity we all as people in business have to go through, right? <laughs> it's kind of navigating through this ch everlasting change. And it doesn't matter what the algorithm is because, I mean, if you have a good personal brand and people like, know, and trust you, it shouldn't matter. But like, you know, what's your, what's your take on it? Like, what's your favorite? And, you know, where, where do you like to spend the most time as far as growing your business? You know, it's insane because it, it's ever evolving. You said it well. The Facebook is by far where I drum up most of the business still, mainly because of my private groups and stuff. But LinkedIn is then secondary. I went hard and heavy after Instagram and got my following up to 12,000, but I just could not drum up the engagement that I needed to. I was, it was easy picking up followers, but they weren't interacting with my stuff. So I don't, I don't know what it was there. But as a business owner, you know, what I've learned to do is figure out how to get dangerous enough. I'm not great on any platform, but I'm dangerous enough on most. And right now for me, I'm keeping a huge eye on LinkedIn. Yeah. Because there's, as soon as LinkedIn live becomes a thing, watch out because you're now flooding the system with people that are very business focused, able to go live and talk on content. I saw my, uh, a friend of mine do her first live and within 30 seconds, there was like 200 people watching the stream. And you know, for that's, that's huge. I mean, for a Facebook live, it takes, that's, that's huge. 
And yeah. so it's a new platform, new thing. And, and when, when LinkedIn Live goes and they open it up to the masses, if people don't do, in the words of Gary Vee, a land grab very, very, very quickly, they're going to miss out on one hell of an opportunity. Yeah, there's some there's solid people on LinkedIn too. It's a good I I mean, it's crazy and this is this is why I love this too is because, you know, we'll have this conversation and then the content will come out because we give you content with each episode and then people share it and then all of a sudden I get messages from people like, "Hey, I listened to that show. I love that." And it's just amazing because yeah. like people are seeing that and those are the kind of people that you want to connect with, you know, other yeah. people that are in business and get it. They understand. And sometimes with Facebook, it's, it's, Facebook's great. All of it's great, but I'm really liking, like you said, LinkedIn, cause it's, it's like a level of professionalism and it's, and you're getting these different kinds of people reach out. I've had people reach out out of nowhere and I'm like, this yeah. is awesome. Like, yeah. And I, and I tell everybody, man, is, is everybody should be starting a podcast. I don't care who yeah. you are and you've got to have seen this as well. Oh, Podcasting is by far, by far the greatest networking tool I've ever had in my entire life. It's, you get to pick people's brains for an hour that you would never talk to. Yeah, it's insane. Or for us, we get to have two conversations twice. We get to talk, shoot the shit, have a good conversation. And, you know, people can hear things and learn things, you know, and that's sometimes what people just need to go and do something because we're no different. We're, yeah. you know, we just decided to take action and do it, you know, and now we can have fun with it, right? Well, and, and what people, yeah, 100%, what people don't understand is, is, and I love picking on financial advisors just because there are a million of them everywhere. But if, a, but, you know, financial advisors usually suck at doing business development and sales because nobody wants to talk to their ass because they know they're always trying to be sold something. But if a financial advisor would go start, start a podcast, not on financial advising, go start it on their hobby, motorcycles, fly fishing. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Right. Now they have a vehicle and platform where they can go up and say, Hey, I have a show on motorcycles. Want to come on and talk on my show about motorcycles. Yeah. Now you get somebody you know, for an hour to go have a real conversation and connect. I mean, yeah, uh, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah. It's because you get to build, people can build trust. Like anybody listening to you or me, people can listen in. I even know they're listening and they can get to know me because of the, yeah. the conversations and they can get to know you with their guard down without having to be like, Hey, this is me. Like here, 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 here's what right. I am. Like sell, 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 like a lot of the bullshit out there. Right. Yep. Video content, all that is great as well. But like somebody sees a video and then they realize, okay, this is a video. They're like, I want to learn about this, this human. Like what's easy for real. And then they listen to a few episodes. Like I like this guy. I mean, that's the way I am. I, I can only speak for myself, but when I go on someone's podcast and I listen and I'm like, I really like this dude. Right. Like about you know, but I probably wouldn't have got that from just seeing a picture or a video, right? Because there's so much content out there. So, well, and it, it's interesting you, you put that out there because Forbes, as we're recording this episode, they just put out an article today on the audio industry as a whole. Yeah. And what they showed is Amazon and Google have dropped so much money into audio right now that it's quickly becoming one of the fastest growing segments. And you got to think about it. You got Amazon, was it Echo? I think it's what it's called, whatever the Amazon and Home one. Then you got, you know, Google Home. Yeah. People can now anywhere in their house, like you just said, Joe Rogan playing in the background. You can yeah. say, you know, Alexa, play Joe Rogan and do whatever around your house. And now your whole house is turned into Joe Rogan's show. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. 
And, you know, so say you're cooking, a, you, you, it's going to take time. You're going to cook a two-hour dinner and you want to listen to something like Joe Rogan. That's a long piece that takes longer. But, hey, maybe you want to listen to something like Entrepreneurs on Fire where you just want some quick kind of inspiration or something like your show where you just want to hear some stories and you want to get inspired. There's different because we're, we're, we're different and how we feel at different parts of the day, you want different content. I'm not going to well, say someone's going to always listen to mine or yours, but sometimes yeah. it's nice to offer that to be able to be like, man, I want to listen to that, you know? Yeah, and that's one of the things that the, the stats keep showing on a podcast is very rarely does somebody sit down and just consume your show. Yeah, Your show is in a series of several other podcast episodes you know, that they listen to out there. And the cool thing for me that I love about podcasts and why it replaced audiobooks for me is I can go, you know, I, I want to learn about some sales thing today. So I can go into wherever I'm going to search for, you know, I listen on CastBox a lot of times. I can go to CastBox and it pulls right from iTunes and I can type in, okay, sales. And I'm going to get 40 different podcasts pop up on sales and yeah. I can just consume whatever one I want. If I, if I don't like that one, right, I didn't buy it. It's not like I got to return the Audible book. I can just kick it off and grab another episode of somebody else's show. Right. And I can now consume and learn through somebody else's stuff. And it, it doesn't matter if you want to learn how to cook something. There's cooking shows. You want to learn about cystic fibrosis. There's a cystic. Fi My favorite show that's just off the charts. Weird is there's two guys. and I can't remember the name of it, but they do a Lord of the Rings podcast where they break down every chapter of every book. And they have this massive following of people. So whatever you geek out on, somebody's doing a podcast on it. And yeah. I don't know, it's in a sense, almost replacing, you know, Google for me because I can consume whatever I want. Yeah. And the radio is, is it's the new radio. It's the golden yeah. age right now. We're, we're in a time it's exciting because we're kind of in the, the golden age of it and it's going to change. So maybe just talk about, so somebody's listening, they want to, how can they benefit? Cause yeah, I'm starting a podcast production company as well. Right. And a lot of times people ask, First of all, how can you benefit? What's the return of investment for them? How can they monetize it? Because yeah, a lot of people brilliant. get wrapped up in that, right? So here's what I tell everybody is don't go into podcasting to make money. Your podcast won't make you money. You'll make money because of your podcast, Yeah. right? And if you look at your podcast is the tip of your marketing piece, the tip of your branding piece. It is that a lot of times that first thing that people are going to hear about you and get introduced to your brand. If you understand that and you understand that your company is a sales funnel as a whole, right? And I know everybody's talking about funnels nowadays, but a funnel has been around for flipping since sales has been around. Yeah. But if you understand that, then you can literally have a podcast that talks about whatever you want. And I encourage people a lot of times don't do a podcast about your freaking company because nobody gives a flying shit about your company. Mm -hmm. Go do podcasts about what you geek out on. Like when I launched my show growing up, inspirational stories like those PBS specials and everything else were the things that I got into. And I realized that if, if I could get enough people to tell me their stories that I'd find my own inspiration. And, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. If I got around those type of people, heard those stories, then every day I get to listen to all these badasses that have accomplished and overcome some amazing things. And luckily, other people like those same stories. You know, same with your show. And, and one thing I want to make sure everybody understands, there's no competition in this world, yeah. right? If you look at people and say they're my competition, you're an idiot. 
Yeah. Right? There's so much business, so much opportunity, so much everything in this world. But I run a content development company. I have a coaching practice. I have a speaking practice. And we just launched a new division in our company where we now help place people on podcasts and we help podcasters find the right guest. And when I launched my company originally, it was go to be a motivational speaker. That's all I wanted to do. And yeah, I do that a small portion of my business. But now all my, my real revenue is centered off of the podcast. I find my coaching clients that way. I find my content clients that way. And I find the podcast and guests that want to be on that show all through because we launched a damn podcast. And you've probably learned like the different services that yep. still have holes, right? That you yeah. need to build. It's funny. And a lot of my businesses came from other people doing a crappy job at trying to do what we've done. Yeah. You know, I, because of the success of the show, I had so many PR firms reaching out, trying to put people on my show and I'd get these emails that were actually shit. And you knew they'd never listen to my show a day in their life and try to put somebody on there. So we launched the podcast placement company because I was tired of these assholes that didn't know how to pitch a podcast. I'm like, for the love of God, go listen to at least one episode. <laughs> you know, yeah. so you have something to reference or something. Yeah, yeah, I know. You get these you get these people sending you these requests and you're like, what it has nothing to do with this yeah. at all? Like my favorite is one that says, Hey, I just wrote a book and I'd love to come sell it on your show. I'm like, Well, that's cute. Go find another fucking show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, no, totally, man. It's funny. It's, but- that's the thing is like it needs to come from a place. You got to be genuine. You got to be authentic. And that's the thing. That those are the kind of people that ruin the experience for people in general. Yeah. That kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah it, it, because you got to understand if you're going to go on somebody's show, it's their damn show. Yeah. Right? Your job is to make sure that you deliver a badass message for their audience. Yeah. Because if you don't make them look like a rock star, then you just screwed that person and you fucked up their business model. Yeah, right? no, for sure. It's a jackass move. And, but most people are going on podcasts and things trying to do nothing but sell their shit. And look, everybody loves to buy. Nobody wants to be sold to. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. And it's so true because yeah, like nobody wants to feel like they've been sold by a cheap salesman. Like that feeling that, oh man, the pushiness and it shouldn't be like that, you know? Right. It's like, I'm writing my book right now and I got a really funny story about how I got, got into networking and you saying that really cheesy guys made me think of it. Cause my first networking experience, I had three really cheesy over the top sales guys in this networking event and it's hilarious. But I wrote that in, in a book, but using me as, as an example of what not to do. Yeah. But how my first experience was with those type of guys, you know, that, that's how I was acting for a little while because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. You know, all the way through, but no, for sure. And I think that's what people think and people don't think about the value that you need to give. And now it's, people are kind of waking up, but you see it on social media too. People are just, it's the same shit. Oh, well, I mean, you go look at a LinkedIn feed. You can tell immediately somebody who understands what LinkedIn's about and doesn't. Mm. because you'll see somebody and their post has no likes, no engagements, no anything. And you click on their profile and they're posting the same thing over and over and over again. And nobody's engaging versus a young kid that comes out and he's asking for advice or he's telling the story. 
and the shit blows up because people are engaging with it because they're not trying to fucking sell anything. Mm. They're in there, you know, sharing some real stuff. And I'm enjoying a couple of young kids. Mark Metry is one of them. And he just does a video and he's got a top 100 podcast. He's a goofy kid, but he's sharing just his raw journey and his struggles, his wins. And dude, he puts a post out right now and he's getting a couple hundred comments and, you know, several thousand likes because he's just raw and cut unfiltered and, and sharing his journey and then right next to him, you'll see somebody post a picture of a, a house for sale. You know, I mean, it cracks me up. Um, yeah, that's one more thing. I, I think that's interesting too. Maybe can you just for anyone listening, what is the ideal for LinkedIn? Okay. Some people, I think they get it mixed up with like Facebook. So what, what's the idea going in just for somebody that doesn't really know? Because even myself, I'm still learning it. I'm like, you know, going from platform to platform, I'm like, this is craziness. Maybe just what from, you know, 30,000 feet above, like what is the whole point of LinkedIn? I look at LinkedIn like you just walked into a Fortune 500 company. I mean, that's for me how I look at it is what would you say in a boardroom? What would you say at a company meeting, but not as intense? So you wouldn't go into a boardroom and talk about your kid's you know, going to school, you wouldn't talk about the party Friday night, you wouldn't talk about, you know, the people you hooked up with over the weekend, right? You wouldn't talk about that kind of stuff. But you would in that boardroom or in that sales meeting or whatever, ask about, you know, hey, how do I get better at this? Or this is what's working for me and share things that you're going through and share your, your knowledge in that same thing. You're not going in that boardroom. You're not going to try and pitch a freaking thing in that board meeting. You're not going to try and sell the other people around you mm. in that sales meeting. Right. It's not a place to go in and sell those people around you. It's a place to go in and share your knowledge. Think of it even as like a board of directors meetings. You just happen to be one of the board of directors that's giving advice. And what I would tell most people is gear it towards business advice that's directed directly at you. Hmm. My best post that I've ever done on there was like things where I say, you know, dude, in my youth, I thought I was a badass. I thought I was tough. And I thought, you know, you had to act a certain way and be a certain way. And then it took me years to realize that all that, that front I put on all that gregarious egotistical stuff that I did on the front end was the exact things destroying my business. Mm. And you put a post out like that and people are like, me too. I get you. I, I know I know where you're coming from. I was the same thing. You know, I did this. And people start engaging with your stuff because you're more kind of documenting your journey versus trying to put out there. And what a lot of people do, they're like, hey, I just launched this new sales program. Come buy my shit. Well, yeah. nobody's engaging with that. Yeah. But if you came out with that same post and said, you know, on my sales journey, here's, you know, how I learned how to get past gatekeepers. Here's how I learned how to social sell. Here's how I learned, you know, here's an experience that happened to me that screwed up. I didn't have the right insurance in my company. Whatever it is, mm. you document the journey. You tell what's going on versus pitch. So pretend you're walking into a sales meeting. Pretend you're sitting down at that board of directors meeting. And whatever you would say there, it's the same thing you'd say on LinkedIn. That's gold, man. I love that because the, 
we rarely talk to people about that. And I haven't, you know, had that conversation. Someone listening to that, it's super helpful, man. Well, that's the first time I've ever thrown that out. On but I mean, how many people <laughs> actually, because at the same time, you wonder like, you know, because there's low status posts and there's high status posts, right? You can really make it like, there's people that post stuff on Facebook. It's just like, you're just lowering your status, but you just, yeah. you know, so I'm sure that. there's the same sort of way. Like every time you post, is, is it lowering my status or is it? So, where I'm getting, and before I go to one of our last questions, I know this is going a little longer, but that's all right because hopefully you're okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Is that, do you have to worry about or care about your question? Like, do you want to, like, can you end up looking like an idiot because you're asking something about something that seems obvious or is LinkedIn more of like an open sort of, we, we get you, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean. I, I think anytime that you can be authentically vulnerable. Yeah. It's okay. Right? Authentically vulnerable, meaning it's a real fucking question. Yeah. Not a question to get engagement, not a question to try and get people provoked into a sales conversation. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If you put out a legitimate question of as I'm going about and I'm trying to figure out how to prospect better for my business you know, here's some of the things that I'm trying that aren't seeming to work very well. What would be some better things I can employ to gain more awareness? And if that comes from a real place, and I'm talking about an emotional real place, people will engage with that because people can sniff that bullshit out quickly. And remember that people buy from people. So when you put out that raw message and I can tell even my posts that aren't as genuine as I'm intending them to be, they don't fly as well. Yeah. It's so So true. (laughs) You're trying to put out the real message, but in the back of your mind, you're fighting that sales spin. Like I got to do something here. And then you realize you're overthinking it. And then your whole post goes to shit. So true. You know, yeah, it comes to be authentic. Yep. You know, so, but I don't think you're going to say anything on LinkedIn that is going to destroy your reputation as long as you're coming from what would I say in a sales meeting? Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, what would I say in a board meeting? And, and it comes from an authentic place. That's great advice. And you guys listening out there, that's awesome. Like you don't get that kind of advice very often, you know, from somebody because no one really talks about that, you know, yeah. because everybody is like one of those kind of, you're supposed to know. But yeah. I don't even think a lot of people do really think about it. And I understand the way it works, but it's interesting to just to hear perspective because if somebody that doesn't know and wants to use it, it's a bit intimidating that they can kind of go in and sort of use that, that sort of perspective. So. Well, it's an interesting topic because I think you've got so many people that grew up on Facebook and Instagram and those type of things that are now getting into corporate America and companies are saying, well, now you got to build a LinkedIn profile and you got to get in that game and you got to have that conversation. They're taking the same tactics that they use on Instagram and Facebook and trying to pull them on yeah. LinkedIn and it's just not working. That's great. Yeah, people can see right past it. Yep. Where, uh, where can we find you? I want to make sure everyone can find you clearly and, you know, because you got some amazing stuff to offer. So where's the best place to? Uh... Yeah, dude. So DonnieBovine.com. So D-O-N-N-I-E, B as in boy, O-I, V as in Victor, I-N.com. It's a lot of my stuff. There's a bunch of free things down there. The favorite thing that people like to download is my Jackass Journal. 
So I have an ebook that's literally called That's Not How You Journal Jackass, which everybody's dubbed the Jackass Journal. And we put that, I put that out there a couple of years ago because, you know, journaling is what saved my sales career a lot of times. So um, I walk people through how I learned how to journal in that process. Podcast is Donnie Success Champions. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, put out, we put out a ton of episodes there. Um, it's a lot of fun. And then if you need, and on there, you can reach out to us. If you need to become a guest on podcast or you want to find guests for your show, you can get both services there. And then if you need content, come out and check out successchamps.us. And we have the whole content development company, which is fun with that one is we take people who are sitting on a ton of content and we'll either help them create the content or you just hand me all your stuff, whatever you got. And my team will come in and repurpose it all and just create a ton of social content for you. You're just uh, checking off all the boxes. For- as much as possible. Awesome. It's, it's all the things that I wish I had had in my business when I was yeah. getting going that I, that I didn't know anything about. So anytime I got to that spot, I'm like, shit, I just wish somebody would do that for me. We create yeah. a business. <laughs> Yeah. Donnie success champions. We're going to have it all in the show notes and, and all the stuff so we can find you. So it's Donnie suggest, sorry, Donnie success <laughs> champions podcast and Donnie success champions is business. Check out this podcast. I'm going to go through it again as well. I know you're, you got some awesome guests and being on that show was a lot of fun, man. And yeah, dude, it was awesome having you on. It really was. Yeah. yeah. And everybody make sure you go check them out. It's a top 200 business podcast. Just one more question that I ask everybody out of all the bumps and grinds and all the shit you've gone through over the years, what is the number one thing that you can recommend to overcome adversity? I know there's probably a lot, but what's that the one that somebody could use in their own lives to overcome challenges, struggles, loss, whatever it is that you can recommend? Really easy. Jump into the fire. I really believe that every time a fear pops up in your life it's a universe telling you that's the exact direction you need to go the people that make it and don't are the difference of the people that step into that fire or don't step into it if you step in that fire man everybody set up the entire time life's all about the journey that's what they're talking about it's that ability to walk into that flame knowing shit's gonna burn shit's gonna break shit's gonna blow up and keep pushing forward and i'll end with the greatest quote of all time which comes from Rocky Balboa. It's life's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can take a hit and keep moving forward. Boom. Love it. It's such good advice. Go into that fire, take the step because that's the thing that we need to face the most. It's like, it's pulling at you to do it. Right. And so true, man. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you again and can't wait to just see your success over the next year, man. It's been awesome. Awesome. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. Make sure you check it out, guys. Donnie Boyvin, Donnie Success Champions. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Donnie's an awesome guy. Make sure you check him out. Hit that subscribe button on your way out. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Appreciate all of you. Have an amazing day. Catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.